evening. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship um, coming to you with our Saturday night message. We thank you for listening. Pray that we have been a blessing to you. Pray that the Holy Spirit has ministered you as we come to you with the Word of God and the things that God has put on my heart to minister to you, to help you grow in this grace in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And and I want to always encourage you that if you like what you're hearing, uh, share with your family and friends so that we also can be a blessing to them. Um, we're starting a new series on this week. We want to talk about, um, for a few weeks, um, becoming unoffendable. Okay, becoming unoffendable. And now, you may say, well, that's kind of impossible. But we're going to get into the word of God and see what God has to say about that. But we live in a society where, you know, people are so easily offended. It doesn't take much. And I know even ourselves, me, you know, we I get offended. And so this really challenged me. It says, well, okay, how can I become unoffendable? Is this achievable? Because some of you may be listening to me right now and saying, well, you know what? That's not achievable. That's impossible, you know, to become unoffendable to a place where you are not offended. Now, I'm not saying, once again, I, and I probably say this again, um, this does not happen overnight. This is not some quick fix thing. Um, this is a growing process. Um, but once you understand that it is possible, then you begin to take steps toward that so that you can become unoffendable because the word of God talks about not being offended. Okay, so let's look at this. We're going to look at this tonight and look at scriptures and look at things based on the word of God and how to become unoffendable. Okay, so basically to start off, what causes us um, to become unoffendable. And we this one word, this one thing is why we take offense. It's this constant battle against this sin called pride. Okay, so pride is the thing that causes us to become offended. So what is pride? Because there's a place where, where God wants, wants to take us because because being unoffended can hinder us from becoming close to God and having this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So we gotta learn how to become unoffendable. So so what does pride do? Let's deal with pride. Because pride, you know, it has to have balance to it. Pride is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be when it is not balanced like it's supposed to be. So what is pride? Pride make self the center of attention. Okay. That's what pride does. So pride makes you and I the center of attention. So when we're prideful, we put ourselves in the center or we can use the self-centeredness. Pride focus on self, how self feels, how self got hurt. Okay. Now we're not saying ignore what people do, do to you, but it's saying we got to put it in its proper perspective. Now, let's look at James. 
um, chapter 4, verse 6 from the NLT. Here's what Yang says. I thought this was very interesting. He says, to my God, and he gives grace generously, okay? This is as the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if you're in pride, that means God opposes you. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you, but he can't get things to you that he desires for you to have. He can't get it, so he opposes. That's this thing, you know, it, when you're in opposition, when you're prideful, you're in opposition with God. But he said he gives grace to the humble. You know, so what is what is grace? Grace is, I'm going to give you a definition. Grace, where the most people say grace is on God's unmerited favor. But I want to give you another definition. Grace is God's provision to meet man's every need. So if you're opposing God, okay, God can't get his provisions to you. So you probably, you got, it's like, almost like you got up a fence. You got a fence up and God can't get to you and meet those needs so that you can become undefendable. So you can stay in, in a place of love and where God can speak to you and minister to you and you can minister to others. Because if you're prideful, if you're hurt, if you're offended, then guess what? You're not going to be around people. So the, so the actions in, of loved ones, church folks, and unbelievers can leave us being undefended. When offense lingers long enough, it leads to unforgiveness, bitterness, and a legion of negative emotions. Okay? This is what it leads to. These things are unhealthy for our spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being. Okay, so when you are un, when you're offended, look at what it affects. It affects you in all three areas of a human being. It affects you spiritually, it affects you physically, and it affects you emotionally. It affects your mind, okay, your soul your spirit, your soul, and your mind. Most notably, okay, they hinder our prayer. So guess what? When you're undefended, it will hinder your prayer life. Why is that? Because you, you're you not praying the way God wants you to pray. If you're praying, you may be praying a way to telling God to get people, to hurt people, or you're complaining. Or you may not pray at all when you're offended. Now, let's look at um, the scripture, Mark eleven twenty-five. 25. Now, I'm reading this from the King James. It says, and when you stand praying, forgive that you ought to have, that ye have ought against any, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. So consequently, it is important to live undefendable to, and to avoid offense so it knows what it says here description now we're going to get into a little more description uh mark eleven twenty five. 25 kind of break this down a little bit when we talk about the qualifications um this verse is 11 you read uh, mark eleven twenty five and 26 it, it says gives restrictions about prayer being answered 
And so this is not saying that God ain't gonna hear you, but when you're praying with the wrong attitude, then God's he can't, he's not gonna answer that prayer. God's not gonna answer prayer that's not in line with his word, okay? So unforgiveness in our heart will keep our prayers from being answered. So you have unforgiveness and you hold that that un, that offense toward that person, then it's, it's going to hinder your prayer from being here. Hey, not that God won't hear you, but you're not going to see the manifestation of what God wants to do in your life and in that other person's life. There's a possibility you know, God want to do something to that person, but if you're not praying, if you're not in the right attitude, if you're offended, if you're holding unforgiveness, it's going to be hard for you to get that prayer through because you're not in the right mindset. Now, understand what I'm saying. This is not to say that, you know what, this person gets away with things because sometimes we want revenge. And so... But that's not the case. Being undefended is not saying, you know what, just giving up all your, actually it does mean giving up all your rights, but allowing God to speak to you and show you how to handle the situation when you've been hurt, when you've been offended. Okay, so, and a word in the Greek, it says whenever, when it says when you pray, it says whenever. That's what that Greek word means. When we stand praying, we must forgive as we ought, that word ought means if anything, if you hold anything against a person, you got to forgive them because you don't want to stay offended. You don't want to stay in that offense because it's going to affect you guys. It's like poison. It's going to affect you over long for a period of time if you have any offense against anyone. It's when we are offended or hurt, we feel we often feel justified in holding a grudge. Okay, in the Old Testament law, the Old Testament law expressed this when it states an eye for an eye in a two for two. And I, you, you may have heard that. Maybe you're not even in church, but that's what um, the Old Testament called holding a good. It says an eye for an eye, two. In other words, if you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. If you offend me, I'm going to offend you back. So it's an eye for an eye. So you, you're holding a grudge when you're hurt. And so you're holding that grudge against the person that hurt, that hurt me. And so therefore, you know what? I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to um, let them forget what they did to me. And so once again, you may be thinking you're hurting the other person, but you're actually hurting yourself. So until the offense was paid, and this is talking about in the Old Testament, those offended did not feel free to forgive. Okay. However, God deals with everyone's offense by, he dealt, excuse me, God dealt with everyone's offense by placing sin upon the perfect Savior who was judged in the place of every sinner of all time. To demand that others now earn our forgiveness is not Christ-like. Okay. It's not Christ-like. Jesus died for every person's sin, extending forgiveness to us while we were yet sinners, and we should do the same for other people. So let's go back. I want to kind of go back um, about this. 
So it says back in the Old Testament, okay, that after one, not two, it means that the when somebody got offended, okay, until that offense was paid, okay, then those offended did not feel free to forgive. But look at what Jesus did. But Jesus dealt with everybody's sin on the cross, the perfect Savior. He placed all sinners judgment. He judged all sin on that cross. Okay. And he judged it all. So the thing is, Jesus took that offense on himself. For me and for you, he took that offense. And so he paid the price. So for you not to forgive, that's not Christ-like. And I know somebody said, well, you don't know what they did to me. And I know, you know, I'm speaking to somebody maybe who was molested, uh, some type of violation, rape, or, you know, that could be tough. And I'm not saying that's easy, but all things are possible, Jesus Christ. Okay, all things are possible. You can forgive that person, but you can't do it on your own strength. You have to allow Jesus Christ to come in and heal you of that hurt. So he's the one that gives you the ability to forgive somebody who's hurt you to some to that magnitude. Because you maybe say, well, you, that's pretty devastating. And that's on a high degree as of, of far as offense, but it's forgivable. Because guess what? Jesus forgave us. And you need to get a revelation of that, that how much God has forgiven you. And then you have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you forgive that person who hurt you. If something like that ever happened to you or any offense. Anything where you've been betrayed, you know, where you somebody walked out on you, but you've been abandoned. You know, you've been hurt, you know, in a marriage, you know, those things are pretty tough. And but you God is saying, hey. You can do this through me. You can't do this on your own strength. So we're talking about becoming unoffendable. Okay. Is this possible? That's what that's, this is the main revelation I want you to get tonight is that Jesus died for all of our offenses. He died for our sins. And so for you not to forgive, um, it is not acting like Christ-like. It's not acting like Christ. Okay. So it is doubt. Doubtful that those who refuse to forgive have ever experienced forgiveness themselves. And so I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever experienced forgiveness? Because if you've ever experienced forgiveness from somebody else, then you I believe you'd be more prone to forgive if you've ever experienced forgiveness. Because look at the parable here. So this would be comparable to the servant who who's forgiven for over three billion dollars and yet refused to give it forgive his servants who owe him three thousand dollars and you want to read that you can go to matthews uh, chapter 18 verses 23 to 34 i'm not going to read it but you can go back and read where this servant you know he owed his king you know his master three billion dollars and he begged the master, you know, please forgive me. I don't have the money, you know, and the master forgave him. But then when the master set him free of that debt, he went out 
and saw somebody who owed him $3,000. And the Bible said he choked the man. Choked him. Now, mind you, you owe $3 billion. And this person owes you $3,000. But yet, you, you can't forgive them. And so, and that's really, that's that's really what we stood before Jesus died for us. We owe an amount that we could not pay. We didn't have um, the money to pay the debt, the debt of sin. The debt of sin was unlimited. We wanted enough resources to pay for. But Jesus came and paid the debt for us with his blood. He paid the debt for your sins and mine. And he set us free. So if you get a revelation that said that Jesus forgave us, then you, you, you will be more prone to forgive other people who hurt you. So the, the forgiveness that we receive from the Lord is infinitely greater than any forgiveness we could ever be asked to extend toward others. Think about what Jesus the forgiveness of God is greater than what you've experienced. The offense that you've experienced, okay, is a whole lot less, okay, whole lot less than what Jesus, the, the offense we had to Jesus. The Bible said we're all the sinners. We were all sinners, okay, but Jesus paid the price for it. So that is the main revelation I want you to get tonight is that, hey, I want you to think about all that God has forgiven you for. Because you may be thinking, well, I'm a good enough person. I haven't did all these bad things. Well, you know what? I'm saying all sin is unrighteousness. And my question is, how good do you have to be to get into heaven? This is why we talk, when I talk to people, people most times you may express how good you've been. Well, you haven't did this sin or you haven't did that sin. You haven't offended people in this way. Well, how good do you have to be? We all offended God. The Bible says we, we, we've all denied Jesus. We've all betrayed him, turned our back on him, even not recognizing how good he's been to us. Work as every day, make sure we we have resources. Um, that's God. Gave us life. That's God. Okay, so we need to be we understand that, hey, think about what Jesus did for you. And the, the forgiveness he extended toward us is far, okay, far greater than the, the forgiveness we can extend toward others. Okay, so you may be saying, well, you know what? That's Jesus. I know Jesus um, forgives. Jesus was God and I ain't God. Well, let's look at the life of Paul. Because Paul, he was a man who lived undefendable. Because sometimes when we say Jesus did it, you know, Jesus and God, I know God called us. Maybe I'm saying God called us to live undefendable. You say that's unachievable. And sometimes we say, well, Jesus called us. We Jesus did it. Yeah, and that's Jesus. But let's look at Paul's life here. Yeah. Okay, let's look at some scriptures of Paul um, being the, the, a perfect example of us, you know, living under film. So Paul's life is a perfect example of us to examine when it comes to living, becoming unoffendable. Let's look at his life. Okay, as a new convert, let's get, 
as a new kind, fellow believers did not embrace Paul with the brotherly love he he should have received from church folk. And this is in Acts. Um, we're gonna read this in Acts 26. I'm reading it in just a second. But Paul was had every reason to be offended by their distrust. But he persevered because his eyes were fixed on the one who saved him from destruction. So I love this because Paul was fixed. He was able to live a life um, of not being offended because he he understood the focus where he was fixed on. So let's read Acts 9 26. I'm reading it from um, the New Living Trend. It says, and when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to meet with believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had, he had truly become a believer. Now, mind you, you just got saved. Mind you, just got saved. Maybe you're a person, you just come out of a very, you know, troubled lifestyle and whatever that lifestyle was. And imagine you coming to people, coming to the church, people who knew you, knew you in that lifestyle, and then you tell them you got saved, and they don't believe it. They don't want nothing to do with you. And this is what Paul dealt with. Paul dealt with believers who didn't even believe he was converted. Okay, now, that can be a reason for Paul to be offended. He could have walked away from the church and said, hey, I don't want nothing to do it. He comes in for help after he's been delivered and set free. Remember, of course, Paul was persecuted, but he tells them, God, save me and believe it. And they says, no, nah, we don't trust you. We're afraid of you. We don't believe you. And I can imagine, I can't even imagine how hurtful that would be. If, you know, I tell somebody I've been saved, been delivered from a certain lifestyle, and the people that very supposed to love me and God, they don't believe me. Okay, they don't even believe me. And let's look, here's another thing. In, in 2 Corinthians 11, 26, and also in Galatians 2, 2 and 4, Paul mentions having unpleasant experience with fake Christians and unbelievers. He dealt with church hurt, but he did not let the action of other Christians define his perception of the God who saved him from, from his evil ways. Okay, so we're going to look at both of these scriptures. Let's look at Corinthians 11, 26. Yeah. But think about it. Paul, he did not allow um, his experience with these, it says, fake Christians because they are an unbelievers. They heard him, but he says he did not, not allow this to him to lose his focus on Jesus who saved him. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 11, 26. It says, and I, he, this is Paul talking. He said, I have journey. I have traveled on many long journeys. He said, I faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews. Okay. As well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the desert and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers and are not. 
This is Paul's word. Paul says, look, he said, I face offense, trouble, and anger from my own people, the Jewish people, the, the people, his particular ethnic group was against him. He says, here, I face danger with people who claim to be believers. He said, I'm not. People who, who were saved, fake Christians, people who were playing, he experienced it. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you experienced it now. You often hear me say church hurt. I've been hurt in the church. Maybe you say I've been hurt in the church. Okay, I've been, you know, hurt by these people, you know, and hey, um, they hurt me. And so therefore, you know, I can't forgive them, you know, and maybe what they did um, was, you know, they hurt you. But listen to Paul. Paul says, hey, he, he faced all of this. But he never lost focus. He never lost his perception of Jesus. See, that's why I encourage you. That's why the Bible says, it says, looking unto Jesus, who would often keep your focus on Jesus. Okay? Because understand that people will let you down. And sometimes they don't try to. They don't try to. We are, but we all, we're human. We're flawed. We have flaws. And so sometimes people at their best, you know, still can let you down but i i want to encourage you tonight to don't let that um, cause you to lose your perception of who jesus is the one who saved you the one who delivered you the one that set you free the one that we offended and he forgave us so this is how paul paul was able to live a life of of becoming he was able to live a life of being unoffended because he kept his focus Okay, let's look at um, Galatians two and twenty two and four. Let's see what let's see what Paul says here. And plus, it, even that question came up only because of some of he says so called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we had in Christ. They want to enslave us and force us to follow the Jewish regulations. So Paul said, we didn't know Paul, let just give you a little background. Paul had found out the Galatians had went back to living on the law, on the legalism. And, but Paul had taught them to live free in Jesus, that you're no longer under the law, but you're under grace. And they had gone back to that. And Paul says, he says, these so-called believers, these false ones, he called them false ones. They had been secretly brought in and aspiring and to try to put people, put the Galatian church back on the bondage. Okay. And put, so if anybody, Paul could have stayed offended by this, but he didn't allow, he didn't stay. He didn't allow this offense to keep him from sharing the gospel, from spreading the good news, from loving people that didn't love him back. He forgave them. And Paul, um, he, he lived to fulfill the Great Commission, yet he faced many adversities. And we can read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, when we read some of that 26 to 30, but Paul could have taken offense that God allowed him to face trials and tribulations, but he did not take offense. In fact, he called all the church hurt and dangerous situations, light afflictions. Wow. 
That's me. He he fulfilled the Great Commission, which we're called to too. But Paul, he's I love it. But Paul could have taken offense that God allowed him to face trial and tribulation. And see, I want to Paul say say because we have this thing where you know what, what God allowed. Maybe you're struggling with this thing. Why did God allow me to go through this? Why did God allow me to have um, this type of mother, this type of father? Why did God allow me to marry this person? They walked out on me. Why did God allow me, you know, to get hurt, you know, by this person or that person or experience this type of tragedy, this type of offense, this type of crime? We said, God, because, you know, you may be thinking, uh, well, you know, if God's a God of love, why he allow all this stuff? And we've been taught this um you know this doctrine of sovereign sovereignty is 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 it's wrong why did god allow my mom to die of cancer and things and you've maybe you're taking offense at god because you know what god allow you know you my, my my wife to die my mom to die i prayed and this and that and we have this thing we call what well, god is in control of everything and you need to understand god is not in control of everything and I know I'm messing somebody's theology up, but I want to I want to set you free tonight. And you need to go back and read Genesis um, 1 and 26. OK, and as a matter of fact, let, I want to go to that. Tonight. I'm going to pause and go to that tonight because we need to understand God is not in, in control of everything. God is not a puppeteer where he is just controlling everything. Because God had given us, why? What are you saying? God had given us free will. Let me, let me read Genesis 26 to you. 1 and 26. And it says, then God said, I'm reading from the NLT. He said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And guess, listen to what it. And they will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals. And the square was around him. So God in the King James Version, it says God gave, let me read it from the King. He, they use the word dominion, okay? Dominion, authority. Okay. It said, God said, let us make man in our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the land and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that is upon the earth. God gave us dominion. Man has dominion in this earth realm okay you need to understand that he gave us dominion in this earth realm so you have authority okay and god gave every man that now how they use that free will god gives them the right to use it whether they want to use their free will to hurt people or they want to use their free will to bless people so God is not in control. So God and then allow God has given us authority over sickness and over disease to take authority over those things. He told disciples, I've given you, I mean, I believe it's in Matthews. I've given you authority. Okay. To command stuff, to take authority over it. Because Jesus died for sickness. Jesus died for um for uh, for poverty and those things you can read those in the scripture okay so when it would be if paul was a had took offense that well god allow all these trials because think about all the stuff that paul went through we just dealt with some of how people 
um, betrayed him and people turned it back on him and treated him and tried to kill him. And even known people and fake people who try to fake Christians who are not really Christians were coming at him. And he and imagine if he had taken offense to God and said, well, God allowed this stuff and walked away from the ministry. If he had did that, we would probably have half of the Bible we wouldn't have. But he didn't take offense. He was under, he lived a life of un, being unoffended because he understood, he kept his focus, his eyes on Jesus. And he understood what the scripture says also. I believe he had a revelation where he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But give, but she have overcome the world. He didn't say God, so he will cause the trouble. He's saying, in this world, you will have trouble. Why? Because we live in this fallen world. So I want to pray for somebody. I want to encourage you that you are offended at God because you face trials and tribulations. And the things that, you know, you saying, well, he allowed this to how he allowed this and he allowed that. And you know what? So I'm mad at God. Why did God? And we have this teaching that, you know, um, where God allowed, he's trying to teach you a lesson. Well, let me ask you a question. And from a human point of view, would you allow your child to go through sickness to teach him a lesson? I just want you to think about what I'm saying. Would you allow your child to go through some type of hardship to teach him lesson? So they can grow, so they can mature. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to pause and say this. We can grow through adversity. We can grow and God wants us to grow through adversity. But he's not sending adversity at us so we can grow. Let me show you. I'm going to show you again. I'm just kind of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me tonight. Uh, I just feel like I got to explain some things. Let's look at John 10 and 10. Where does all this stuff come from? Okay, where did where does all the bad stuff come from? Let's read John 10 and 10. Let me start it now. He says, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. I am the, the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall not go in and out, and find and shall go in and out and find passing. Now listen to 10. He said, The thief comes but to steal to kill and destroy but listen to the, the, the part b but i've come that you may have life and that they might have it more abundantly okay so listen to what god says here i've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly he said i didn't come to to, to put sickness on you so you can grow no, it's the enemy that's doing these things. And he had given us authority over the enemy. That's one thing they didn't have in the Old Testament. We have been given authority over the devil and his works. And until you understand your authority in Christ Jesus to speak to those things in your life and command them and take authority over them, then you will always have the that's one reason why you're taking offense because maybe you're not using the authority. Maybe you're not aware. Maybe you haven't got a revelation of the authority God has given you. And so when you understand the authority God has given you, some of these defenses, some of these things, you can take authority and you can bind them and take authority on them and break those things off your life. Okay. And so, but I'm speaking to somebody right now who, 
you know, as in, in this case, have taken the sense that God allow you to face these trials and tribulations. You know, once again, in this following words, not saying you're not gonna, you're gonna be free from trouble or any type of, thing, but understand and allow the Holy Spirit know what you have authority over, and know what God is sending. God is not sending trials and tribulations, or He, you may say, well, He's allowing it. Well, He, he allow it because we live in this fallen world, but He's giving you authority. Know the authority of you as a believer. Know the authority that God has given you. And you use that authority. But I love what it says here. All these things that Paul experienced, all the church hurt, all the dead, this is what he calls, he calls it a light affliction. I want to read 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. 2 Corinthians um, 4 and 17. I'm doing a lot of deviating from my uh, manuscript tonight, but we going I just want to um Make sure we get an understanding. So 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Let's read 4 and 17. He said, for our present trouble are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce us for us a glory that's, that's vastly outweighs them and will last forever. He says, hey, for these, these present, oh, he said they're small. He said, or oh, the king, he said, these light afflictions. He calls all these things, all these things that Paul experienced, he said they're light afflictions. He he viewed them as a light thing. So I want to think that the offense that you've experienced, you got to see it like Paul. This is a light thing compared to what I, what um what I did to Christ. This is a light affliction. It's a light affliction. So I want you to understand that. It, it far outweighs what we're going to experience in eternity, what you've experienced. So this is how Paul lived a life of being unoffended because he kept focused. He said, this is a light afflictions. This, he said, this is small. Now, you may not see. I know the world look at it, but you got to see it through the, through the eyes of grace. This is small. This is small. And so in, in all these instances, we see that Paul value his salvation more than anything. He valued, this is what you got to get to place. You got to value your salvation more than anything. You got, you can't allow anything to come between you and your God. He valued God's love so much. So much his earthly challenges were inconsequential to him. He valued God. Love. See, this is what we got to value. Paul, who was one who was the one who confidently proclaimed. Okay, this is what he proclaimed. He proclaimed Romans 8, 35 and 36. And I'm going to read it from the King James. Listen to what Paul claims here. He didn't allow God. He loved God so much. He didn't allow these, these um, offenses 
to uh, take away his love for God and his love for people. Um, let me listen to what Romans 8 and 35 and 30, it says, and some of you are familiar with it, but it says, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? He says, shall tribulation, shall distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword. He says, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Now listen to what he says here. And I'm going to read that from the um, the New Living Translation. He says, hey, he loved God so much. Then he says, I'm not going to allow all this stuff to come. I'm not going to stay offended. I'm not going to allow this, these offenses to stay with me. Okay. He said, I'm not going to do that. But I want to read it from, he says, what can separate, ever separate us from the love of Christ? And it's not your love for God, but God's love for you. He said, does it mean that he, he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute in danger or threatened with death? Now, Paul experienced all these things. So if anybody had a right to be offended, it was Paul. And maybe you have a right to be offended, but your love for God, that's where it's got to start. Got to outweigh all of those things. He says, as it is, as the scripture says, for, for your sake, we are killed every day. So he understands I'm going to be attacked. Why? Because the enemy is coming after me. The enemy don't want you to spread the gospel. The enemy, we don't want you to show love. The enemy wants you to stay offended, hold unforgiveness. And live in a life of unfruitfulness, living, maybe living a life of isolation, you know, those things. This is what he wants. But he goes on to say, he says, for we kill it, we are slaughtered like sheep. No, he said, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. So he says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow or even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. So listen to what he says. He says, hey, he's Paul loved God. His Paul valued his salvation more than anything. And I want you to get to that place tonight that you value your salvation more than anything, that you don't allow anything to become between you and your God. And you don't allow anything to become between you and loving people. I know people have hurt you. I know people have just disappointed you. But you know what? You forgive them. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to have a relationship with everybody who offended you. The relationship may be old, but you can forgive them. You move on. And God's going to put people in your life to help you grow and fulfill your call, your purpose in life. But I call you and I'm challenging myself. And I could, this is, we can't allow ourselves to be, un, be offended. I can, you can become unoffendable because Paul lived the life. He showed us here how to live it, that we got to stay focused on the love of God has for us. You've got to stay focused. Anytime we attempted to walk away from the faith because we have been mistreated or disrespected 
let us remember Paul's life and the price Jesus paid for our salvation. So remember that you got to, these are scriptures I want you to meditate on. Look at Paul's life. Look at Jesus' life and live how they live a life of becoming unoffendable. And so you, it's, it's possible. And this is, like I said, this is not um, a overnight thing. But with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Jesus, who lives on the inside of you, you can live a life of not being offended. Let me pray for you. Father God, in the name of you, we thank you for those who have listened to this word. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit is ministering to those who are hearing this message. I thank God that you are ministering to them right now. I, I thank you for healing the hurt that they have experienced maybe in their family maybe in their church family, maybe uh, on the job. I thank you, God, that you're giving them the ability to forgive that offense, that thing that was done to them. Because, God, you forgave us more than we can ever forgive somebody else of what was done for us. I pray to God that you would give them the ability to look at whatever happened to them as a light of fiction, as Paul did. This is the light thing compared to what we should experience with you in glory. And I thank you, God, that you're healing them right now. You're setting them free right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for just ministering to them. Holy Spirit, thank you for healing them and comforting them in their, that weakness that they have. I thank you for strengthening them. I thank you for supernatural strength coming over them right now. In the name of Jesus, and I give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening. We will be back with you again next week on another um, installment of Becoming Unoffendable. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you and bye-bye.